Events of the past 12 months have once again highlighted that Australia still has a long way to go when it comes to our relationship with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. 20 years on from the Reconciliation March of 2000, the path to reconciliation is still one that as a nation we have a long way to travel. In that spirit of reconciliation, I would like to offer my respects to the traditional owners of the land on which we meet, both past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. So hello everyone and thank you for joining. We are very happy to have with us here today Gretchen Anderson joining us from the US. Gretchen, hello. Hello, lovely to see you here. So whereabouts in the US are you and how are things how are things over there? I'm based in Oakland, California, which is in the Bay Area. And mm-hmm. so uh, you know, things are relatively okay here. Our our case count is relatively under control and um, you know, we're fortunate to be able to work from home in this house. So I'm uh, feeling pretty thankful for that. It is a week on from the inauguration of President Biden, the 46th president of the United States. Um, how does that feel? Ugh. I mean, definitely like a weight has been lifted for me personally. Um, just I think even my phone has been ringing more than it does normally in a January. I'm an independent consultant and normally I don't do a lot, but I feel like everybody's sort of like, all right, there's some stability. There's some um, maybe headroom to think about things so that I might not be whiplashed by happenings. I'm not sure that that's actually true, but I think that that's what we're all hoping and feeling. There's certainly a, a sense in Australia of optimism looking at the US. I think that's largely shared by most of the population that what we've seen after four years um, of the Trump administration, that what we can see even in the first week um, of the Biden-Harris administration is a lot more positive, uh, a lot more uh, focus on Things like the environment, Um, we've seen a lot of executive orders coming out and a lot of directives in the last uh, few days, specifically targeting quite ambitious ambitious effort on climate change, which is really, really good to see. And hopefully it signals four years of a, a much more positive political agenda. Eight years. Let's not sell ourselves short. Let's go for eight years. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Let's go for eight. Look, and ho- hopefully the start of, of not just, you know, eight years with this administration, but, um, you know, uh, a, a few successive democratic administrations might be nice. Um, keeping the majority in the House and the Senate might be good for more than two years as well um, for once. So all, all of those good things. Yes. Yes. So... You, you mentioned the uh, coronavirus. Um, obviously, the, the US has been hit reasonably hard. Um, and I think broadly around the world, we've seen a significant shift in the way that people are working. Um, your, your book is around uh, collaboration and, and how people how people work. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, what are some of the things that you've seen um, that have shifted um, since 
you know, it's it's been a, a little under twelve months, so, so let's call it eleven months. Um, how have things how have things shifted? Well, I think you know it's at a, a couple of different levels. When you get the highest level, what we have learned and seen is that we are not independent people. We are interdependent. We are necessarily reliant on each other. And that makes us stronger and it lets us do brave, bold things. And in a moment like this, it requires mm, a resilience that it's apparently not everyone is equipped with. And uh, so I think that is both heartening and disheartening to me um, in terms of just like at the highest level about how we exist together and, you know, how do we build that sense of interdependence and in combat the cult of the independent, the cult of competition, the cult of capitalism, like all of that, that um, just ends up, I think what we're seeing, I think what this is exposing is that, that there, that is not an infallible system. That system is showing its stresses. So I think that's, that's what I see at the highest level. Mm -hmm. I think at the more mundane level of just like getting work done, um, there's been a lot of shifts and, collaboration. When I wrote the book, I had come around from a in-person synchronous communication is, of course, the best um, way to do it. And if you can't do that, here's your poor man's alternative. And what I learned was even before this, that actually asynchronous communication is very valuable. Mm. And I think that theme has, has definitely shown through from what I've seen and, and heard from other people. And, and I think what I mean by that is when you subject decision-making to personalities in a room, personalities that are a whim of lack of coffee and too much sugar and not enough sleep and getting a divorce and you give it a time box, like you got an hour and you got to knock out these decisions. Mm-hmm. It, it leads to decisions that get made, um, irrationally. I mean, I know humans are irrational people, but, um, and I think what happens when you have to work when we're all distributed, right. When it's not just like, well, there's this core that's all there. And then there's some remote people. And I I mean, I think historically we thought about it as there's this core group that was always together, synchronous water cooler conversations. And there were some people that were remote and, you know, Oh, sorry for you have some internet. Here's a Slack channel. But I think when we're all at the same quote unquote disadvantage, uh, it's harder to bully these decisions. It's harder to kind of have them be um, something that's won or lost in a food fight. You have these tools to slow down that decision-making process and that discussion. Um, And we can talk about what those are, but, you know, I think that fundamentally is pretty important. I have friends who work at, you know, really big companies Um, who are doing studies, obviously, during this time of the productivity. And I think that's one of the findings they're having is like the people that don't like it are the people who could act by fiat before and the people who couldn't now find themselves with more agency and more power. And they appreciate that. And I I think one of the things that we're seeing from that distributed model and from that asynchronous model um, is that different personalities are coming to the fore when it comes to making decisions. So when you do have all of those people just in a room, that tends to favour a particular personality. Um, And people who, for example, uh, 
like to take longer to process information, like to take longer to think things through before they um, comment, uh, who prefer to, um, you know, have some time for reflection and introspection before putting forward an opinion, let alone committing to a course of action, that those people have found that um, it's, it's a much more uh, liberating environment where they're not in a room and there's not this expectation of, well, you've, you've heard the report, now make a decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it, it's also distributed around time zones. Like often now mm-hmm. these companies are having to take a decision literally around a 24-hour loop. And I think we're, as before, they were like, ugh. Now it's almost like a, you ran a sprint review five times in five mm-hmm. different time zones. And by the time it gets back to you, and it's only been 24 hours. Yep you've got a lot more information. And so, and I think you bring up like, I call them real-time processors. I feel like mm. we favor those people, those extroverted, and I'm one of them, people mm. that can get up at the whiteboard and like, I mean, I'm the worst person to have in a meeting like that because I can make you do whatever I want if I put my mind to it, right? I can mm. concoct a whole spell yep. to make it go my way a lot of the time. So that idea of inviting in different personalities that are going to come back asynchronously with, but what about, did you think about, consider this? Mm -hmm. And if you can be open-minded and not see that as my idea failed, but as thank you for kicking the tires on, Mm -hmm. let's be real, it's not my idea, it's our idea. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. You know, you saved us. Our idea is now much better as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you mentioned, um, you know, sort of uh, taking a decision around time zones. I think that's been one of the other things that at least some organisations are taking advantage of, which is this idea that if we don't all have to be together in a room and we're working from anywhere, then quite literally we can work from anywhere. So mm-hmm. I can pull together a team where people are in different parts of the country, are in different countries, are in completely different um, continents and time zones, um, and and make that work effectively as a result, which which means diversity of perspective, diversity of culture and, and language backgrounds. I mean, you know, all of those things start to open up and be mm-hmm. introduced into the decision-making process as a matter of course, which is... Mm-hmm. Hugely beneficial. Well, so that's interesting what you bring up. I teach at CCA, California College of the Arts. Mm. I teach the seniors, so they go off and become little baby designers out in the world. And um, a lot of them have started jobs where they've never literally met their coworkers. And so there is a struggle there, but as more and more people do it, it becomes clear, like not everyone knows one another here anymore. And those sort Mm. of little Gordian knots of positive and or negative baggage also seem to get broken up a little bit. Um, Mm. And then, you know, it's a case of like, how do you get people to socialize in a virtual world, which is a struggle Mm. I find personally. Yeah. And we, I mean, organizations are effective, um, most effective when there is a shared sense of purpose, when there's a shared sense of a a common goal. And whether we're talking about a team or an organization, that tends to be true. Um, That process of socializing um, is more difficult like this uh, via video, via technology. Um, But we we need to find ways uh, ways to make it work, I think. Yeah, I feel like it's okay in small groups 
you know, again, I say I teach and like when I've got the 15 people and so what do you guys think? Crickets, but stick mm-hmm. them in breakout rooms and they're ch- chattering away. Partially yeah. it's that I'm not there and I'm the authority, but, sure. um, you know, I find that I'm, I'm involved in a lot of virtual communities and when it's more than about five people, this is a bad format. Yes. Um, unless you can break it up into groups and then that's got its own awkwardness. So I think keeping it small and mm-hmm. I have seen companies, and I actually do work with one of them where they do virtual events for teams. So I work with breakout.chat, which is like a, you know, put together a program for a company. I happen to do one on block printing, but they've done tie dyeing and pasta making and oh. well, I forget all the other ones, but mm-hmm. um, where you're doing an activity together. So if that's 30 people, it's not 30 people all trying to talk at the same time, but 30 people having a shared experience. There's like one, mm-hmm. um, my husband did one with In Good Taste, which is wine tasting, which mm-hmm. was very lovely. You get like this cute little kit. and I've seen some um, great ones on whiskey tasting. Um, uh, yeah. You know, like a, a, a distillery will send out um, a little tasting pack and, and then they go through it together. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's sort of a nice, you know, to get that little packet. There's Craftiful is another one that, you know, it's mm, like okay. you get a little thing. So there's that physical, like in a world where it is all virtual, there is something physical that you're doing together. Mm. And it's not, again, that you're all trying to compete to like have a cocktail party conversation necessarily. Mm. I'm sure after a whiskey tasting, it might be a little more raucous. I don't know. but sure. <laughs> As we... Um there are there are clear signs in in different parts of the world that this will happen at 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 a different pace depending on where we are in the world but we're now starting to see um vaccines being rolled out there's talk of um you know schools being able to reopen of theaters being able to reopen um in places like new zealand they're already in a position where they can hold you know uh large outdoor events and and concerts of twenty thousand people or so um over these my students are going to nightclubs my students in china send me photos from nightclubs we're in a position, I think, where we can start to think about, well, what will this look like in six months' time, in 12 months' time? What is that post-pandemic um, balance starting to look like? Um, have, you, have you thought about what that model might look like into the future? I have, and I would say... On the positive side, I think what we've seen is everything we were just talking about and people wanting and having the freedom to kind of live wherever they want. And, you know, that companies are starting to understand, like, branding this massive real estate operation on the side of whatever our core business is, is Mm -hmm. insanity. Yes. Um, So I think, you know, I think we can say that will continue. But I also think it's important, like, I really, this whole idea of, like, getting back to normal, I I get nervous because... um, not just losing the good part of this, like the flexibility and the workers' power, but um, I feel like what this has shown is how fragile we are. Mm-hmm. That I was listening to a podcast and I was like, you know, before you thought about the terrorist situation of bringing like Ebola into the country and like it just takes a pretty bad virus and we completely mm-hmm. tear ourselves apart. So yeah. I think getting too comfortable of like I got vaccinated and we can all move on. I think we've, we've got to learn that hard lesson of how do we value being actually connected? Mm. 
Um, because we are, unless we're all going to do this and stay in our bubbles forever, we are literally connected. Mm. So I don't know. I have some like, you know, sci-fi author thoughts about like, <laughs> what's it like in 150 years? But I think yeah. assuming that it all goes back to the way it was, is probably mm-hmm. folly. And I think we even see from the bouncing back and forth of opening and closing, yeah. like trying to negotiate with a virus is like, guys, I don't know, we're not equipped somehow to mm. deal with what is what is happening. Because again, we like to bully our way through it, right? Yeah. I think we saw that with our last yeah. president of like, why don't I get my way? I, yeah. The virus doesn't have years. It's, um, it, it's interesting to look at how different organizations are approaching that future. Um, I know there are organizations in the US, um, I think the, the likes of uh, Facebook and Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, you know, a few of those sort of large, very well-known tech companies have said, um, you know, indefinitely into the future, permanently, you can work remotely. There, there will no longer be an expectation that you come in and, and work in a, in a centralized office. Um, in Australia, in the middle of the pandemic, um, Atlassian, um, uh, release plans for their new uh, office building. Uh, and Ooh. it's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, it's made um, largely out of out of wood, um, which is going to be a, a wonderful thing. So rather than the, the wood will be structural. So rather than it being a, a, a decorative material mm-hmm. or a facade or interior de, um, architecture, it will actually be the bones of the building will be, will be made of wood, which should be really interesting. Um, but in you know, sort of in announcing those plans and then looking at um, the balance of work between in-person and remote, um, they're now starting to to think about, well, what is the purpose of coming in and being together and what does that mean for the interior architecture of the space and the interior design of the space and, and what our technology and, and furniture footprint needs to be to encourage the right types of interactions when we are together. And that's really interesting to see. Well, it's funny because I know that companies like McKinsey or Mm. Accenture or whatever Mm -hmm. have a similar situation. Like McKinsey has like, you know, first class real estate all over the world in the most expensive cities in the world that is used on Fridays by design because Monday through Thursday, you're supposed to be at your client's office. And so you look at that and you think that's a really expensive way to enable what I think they're trying to do, which is let's take a day to keep ourselves connected and be together mm. and give you a reason to live in San Francisco and mm. all of that. And so I'm not suggesting that as like, I'm just suggesting that more as a jumping off point than a solution, but yeah. that the, there is this thing that we value about having some amount of time together, but it seems like mm. maybe not as much as we thought mm. and maybe not in the way that we thought. Yeah. And there's uh, a, a difference also between having the option and being told that you cannot or that mm-hmm. you must, um, you know, that, that actually mm-hmm. being able to find our own balance um, is more important than what that balance might be necessarily. Mm-hmm. I feel like there has been research that showed that, you know, there are people who, given the choice, will want to come to a place and there are some people who won't. And maybe therein lies, you know, some solution, right? Because we know that density helps, like lower density helps. And mm. um, But I think you'd want to make sure we don't fall into that trap, though, of like we overvalue the people who are all together or 
whatever yes. it is. Well, and that's, I mean, you know, one of the uh, traditional um, shortcomings of management is often that we value, we value the effort that we can see um, and we value activity over productivity or effectiveness uh, as a result. So, you know, if, if you and I are in the same space, I'll value your effort over the effort of somebody else that I can't see. Um, and that's just sort of part of, part of human nature or part of the, 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 one of the many failings of, of management. Um, that's going to be something that we need to work through. Um, and it raises some really interesting challenges for things like performance reviews and bonuses and career progression and a whole bunch of things. Um, if I choose to work remotely and spend less time in the office, is that me making a lifestyle choice that sacrifices career progression? Um, and what does that mean for me as a result? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I would say in my own you know, the last year of consulting and in teaching, I have come to value that if we're co-creating, that's the best use of our time together. So like I ran a board meeting for an organization and it was actually six hours long. And I was like, oh, this is going to be terrible. But, and, and a bunch of older women, and when I say older, I mean women in their 70s, even 80s. Um, I got them all on a mural board and they were there putting up post-its and it was really like refreshing to see and to hear from them. Oh my God, this is so much better than I thought it was going to be. Right. And so if you can set up that positive reinforcement of what it means to build something together in a way that they probably wouldn't have done had they been in a room, right. It would yeah, have been a slideshow after slideshow. And what do you think? And so I don't know. I have another client that um, I was helping them put together their strategy and we're using a shared doc like you do now. And they're used to mailing PowerPoints around. And I said, there's this thing, shared document. We can all use it at the mm -hmm. same time. And, you know, it took a couple weeks. And I'd say like, oh, well, you know, the text on slide three. And I was like, yeah, you can change that. Change it. This is your document. You should have fun with that. And, you know, once that bit flipped for them, mm. it was interesting to see like, oh, I'm not just a monkey middleman information shuffler. I'm actually touching the thing that's getting made. Yeah. Um, so I just try to celebrate those types of interactions and not the like talking head zoom interactions. <laughs> and that's, it's um, like one of the, the nice positives. Um, and it's easy to, you know, as, as you said at the beginning, it's, it's easy to focus on, um, you know, digital interactions being a poor, a poor version of face-to-face -face interactions. Um, without recognizing that actually digital interactions uh, are much better in some areas. Um, and I think that's that's absolutely one of them where suddenly everyone can work on a thing at the same time. They don't have to pass it around. They don't have to take turns. It's not, you know, one person owns it, that kind of thing. You can actually get in there and get your hands dirty together. Yeah. I even see it in my children, right? Like they're Board, and so they will pick up, you know, anything they can, essentially. And mm. they have a really bigger toolbox to choose from than if it had been in my childhood. <laughs> um, but I had, we had different things, I suppose. We absolutely did. Gretchen, uh, that, that brings us to time. Um, thank you so much for, uh, for chatting. Um, it was really interesting. Uh, we'll we'll uh, post a, a link to your book. Um, if people are, are interested in, in learning more 
um, they'll be able to go and, and, and take a look. Um, but thank you very much. And um, we, we look forward to seeing you again sometime. Fantastic. Thank you, Steve. Take care. Thank you.